Welcome back to From the Flybridge. Today we're talking to Lee and Cher Patterson who turned in their suits for a life on their brand new 70 Princess. Tune in as we dive into their travels throughout Europe, the Med, Canada, and all the way down through the Caribbean. Okay, so every boat has a story behind the name. What does the prize mean to you? Well, boat names are really important. And we struggled for some time to pick out the name. But Cher worked for Exxon for over 20 years. And I worked for Shell for almost 30. And uh, there's a book written by an author of the name of Daniel Gergen. And the book's name is The Prize. And it goes through the history of the oil industry going all the way back into the 1800s when whale oil was used for heat and light in our country. And we felt that it was an interesting history of our industry and that we would use the name for our first boat, The Prize. I love it. So fitting. And that's very unique, Sheriff, for you to be in the oil industry as a female. I feel like that would be a male-dominated field. <laughs> Definitely so. Still is, but not as much as when I was there. That's incredible. And is that where you two met? No. <laughs> no, we both got transferred to Houston. I was in upstate New York working for a company by the name of International Paper Company. And Cher was working for Exxon, and Exxon transferred her to Houston. And uh, we fell in love. We got married. And after six months of marriage, she came home one day and said, you know, where trees grow is where you're going to get transferred with your job. And I was about to get transferred in the middle of Louisiana to a paper mill. She says, I think you should go to work for Shell because they have locations in Houston, New Orleans, and London. And oh, by the way, I want to live in Houston, New Orleans, and London. <laughs> and so I begrudgingly applied for Shell and went to work for Shell after about our first year of marriage, if I remember. So what was it like when you first met? Well, it was in a bar. In Houston. A country western bar. A country bar. western bar, no less, which is kind of unique because neither one of us were big country western fans. What were you but doing there? <laughs> I was, uh, I had a, my cousin visiting and uh, she was a big country western fan, so I thought I'd take her to the hot spot in Houston. So you were being a good sport and you met your husband. Yep. Well, I was with a buddy who wanted to go get a beer and I was still in a three-piece suit. We go into San Antonio Rose. In Houston, Texas, and I had several beers, and she comes walking in with her cousin, and I particularly noticed her, she had a really tight set of jeans on, and therefore <laughs> I wanted to go meet her. What else do you wear to a country western bar? That's N right. Not a three-piece suit. No. <laughs> I'm sure she noticed you right away, too, sticking yes, out he, in a three-piece suit. Out. <laughs> and you're like, that's my kind of guy. I might yeah. be in this country bar, but, exactly. but I, need, I need to know him. So how many years have you been married now? Golly. Over 40. 40. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. And on this journey, you guys have absolutely thrived. Like being on a boat for that long that we're going to talk about this journey, that's that's pretty special. And so were you both born and raised on the water? No, not at all. I was born in Missouri. And, you know, we had lakes and rivers. And I did a little bit of boating with boyfriends and I did learn to ski, uh, but no, that was not part of my life. Nothing. And then I met Lee. <laughs> well, I was a boater. I was born and raised in Maryland on the Chesapeake Bay. My parents always had boats. And so every spare moment in the summers, we would be boating, water skiing, spending time with friends. And I just fell in love. My father gave me the love of boats. And so I always had this dream 
that when I could afford it, when enough time went by, we would have our own boat. It just took us a long time to get there. Well, actually, he didn't share that dream for a long time, <clears throat> except that we did go on annual vacations on his parents' boat uh, early in our marriage until they sold it. Uh, yeah, I think it was the first six years in the summer, we would spend a week, would fly from Houston and go back to Maryland where my parents were living at the time. Uh, they had a 23-foot slick craft, uh, inboard, outboard, that we would take off from uh, Perryville, Maryland and head down the Chesapeake Bay and go to Baltimore, Annapolis, Oxford, St. Michael's, Rock Hall, uh, and do it all within a week. And they didn't have GPS back then, so Cher would be up in the bow of the boat with binoculars looking for the red buoy and the black buoy. And I'd say, it's number 53, and she that way and would head on down the bay. But we slept and lived on the boat for a week for the first six years of our marriage on a boat, and I was trying to hook her, and I think I did. Yeah, he did. We just waited a long time before we... I bought our boat. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like a great co-captain. <laughs> no, she's the admiral. She's not the co-captain. There you go. Admirals outrank captains. Yeah. Walk me through the rank. Okay. We have admiral and then you're captain, right? And admirals are higher rank than That's captains. right. And I say yes, dear. Smart, smart man. So we're talking here. You share, didn't exactly grow up on open water whatsoever, and you gained this love of the water through Lee. My question you specifically to your journey, what inspired the dream to travel the world by boat? Oh, wow. Well, the dream was to be on the boat for Lee. And I thought, you know, initially when we got it, we thought, well, we'll just ship it to the U.S. And then I said, you know, we're going to take, we can get delivery in Europe. Why don't we just stay here for a year or two? And, uh, we decided, yeah, why not? Made a difference in our plans, but wow. Well, no we regrets. Yeah, and we spent four or five years before I actually retired in 2008 doing research on what kind of boat we wanted to get. And we knew we wanted to get a cruising boat. Uh, we frankly narrowed it down to four boats. We looked at Azimuth. We looked at Ferretti. Uh, we looked at Sunseeker and Princess and you know, we worked in engineering companies, so we learned how to do research. We not only went to boat shows in Genoa and London multiple times, and as we were living in London at the time, but also to Fort Lauderdale. We came to Fort Lauderdale a couple times because we are the boat capital of the world, and uh, and narrowed it down to those four boats. But then we also went to the factories because I was really curious how they were made. So both Ferretti and Asmuth have factories in Italy. A Sunseeker in Poole, England, and, and obviously Princess in Plymouth. And we crawled all through the factories, looked how they were built, how they were put together, and narrowed it down. Uh, it was a hard decision because initially we liked the sexiness of the uh, Italian boats. And in 2008, frankly, they were a lot sexier than, than Sunseeker or Princess, the UK boats. Uh, but boy, when we crawled into the Princess factory and saw the quality of how they were made, the woodsmanship, uh, and frankly, the, the quality of the people we were dealing with, the princess, uh, we decided to go with the princess uh, 70 foot. Started out as 50. And, yeah. and then Cher said, well, if we're going to live on it, it needs to be at least 60. And then 67. And, and then, then we walked by a 70. <laughs> <laughs> and so without buying any boat, we went from 50 to 70 in four years. And, and then when I retired in 2008 in May, we took delivery of the 70, 21 meter, as they called it there. Uh, 70 foot princess uh, and picked it up at the factory. 
that's incredible. I want to just speak to how unique it is. I've never met a client that has truly been to every factory of a boat that they're considering and crawled through like what great due diligence you can truly speak to the boat that you built and also probably helped you in your building process of what you wanted. It did. And it gave us, you know, it was our first boat that we personally bought. Think about it. I mean, I was on my wow. parents' boat, a 23-foot slick craft back in the first four years of our marriage, five, six years of our marriage. But uh, yeah, we wanted to make a good decision and you spend that kind of money. And I was worried about this Midwestern girl who was going to get seasick and may not <laughs> like it. And so I was a little nervous and I wanted to get a good quality boat to make her happy. And, we have to uh, have the Admiral happy. We have to have an Admiral happy. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, that was the process we went through and kind of our dream of, of why we wanted to get this boat to make this transition from, you know, working hard 67 a hour weeks, as many people do in, in our case, a corporate life, into a retirement life, which is completely different, that provided a venue for family and friends to come uh, stay with us on the boat, spend time with us, that when we work, we didn't take the time or think we had the time. Uh, to have quality time with friends and family in really cool places on a really cool boat. So you walked past the 70, even though you <clears> walked <throat> in with the intention of a smaller boat and you knew you had to have the 70 princess. We were literally going out on a, to, to a 67-foot trial run. And we passed this boat and we thought, boy, that looks nice. And so when we got back from the run, we uh, looked at it and said, you know, it meets everything that we didn't like on the 67. So when it checks all the boxes, it, yeah, you sign did. on the dotted line. That's well, I'm not sure this sounds very good, but one of the factors that the 67 didn't have that the 70 did is there was a nice bar area, yeah. glass, <laughs> glasses and crystal glasses. And so I said, okay, that's talking to me now. I got to get this boat. So. <laughs> that's awesome. So let's get to the exciting part and set the stage it's 2008 you're taking delivery of your brand new 70 princess take us through your journey of a lifetime well the i threw in my keys at shell walked out the door uh we jumped in a car in fact the first trip was the maiden voyage of which shares 80 some year old mom my 80 some year old father and my sister and her husband flew over from the United States, met us at our place in London. We got an old van. We drove down to Plymouth and, and jumped on the boat. And we had already been to Plymouth a number of weeks before taking classes on how to operate a boat, how to navigate a boat, took uh, paper classes on navigation, took uh, diesel maintenance classes so we knew something about how to even check the oil on the daggone thing. Uh, so we'd been to Plymouth a number of times and knew the boat was about ready to go. And then jumping on that boat with our family and spending a week going along from Plymouth, the southern coast of England, and then up the Thames. And we docked at a marina, Limehouse Marina, I think the name of it was, which is only about a half a mile from our flat. And what an experience for my father, particularly, who gave me this bug about boating the tears in his eyes as he would operate the boat along the southern coast of, of England and see the white cliffs, and we would sing the white cliffs of Dover. And it was just absolutely magical uh, to share that experience with our family and then kick off the journey uh, 
heading south uh, from London where we had lived for so many years. It was, but it was also special being in London because we took it up the Thames several times up to uh, up under the Tower Bridge and on up to Westminster. And he would salute the Shell building. and <laughs> Which was right on the Thames <laughs> yeah. where I worked. And so I stood up and saluted in respect, honestly, yeah. because yeah. that was the reason why along with Exxon, that we were able to afford the prize. But we did have to time it, though, because the, the tide on the Thames was, what, 17 feet? No, it's more. Oh, more it's than that. Like but anyway, um, we had to time it so that we could get under all the bridges and get back to the marina. Right, well, it's not to, always just smooth sailing, no, cruise out whenever, we're, whenever everyone's ready. Well, and all the marinas, because of the tide is so severe, they lock in the marinas when the tide gets mid-tide or low. So you had the time getting into the marina when the Tide was high enough to have the locks open up so you could get into the marina. And from your first departure, where did you go? Yeah, our, our cousin, Alan Becky, flew over. The serious boaters, they live in Melbourne, also H&Y customers, by the way. And they flew over and we left the Thames and we went down to uh, the southern coast of England. To Dover? To Dover. Mm-hmm. And we spent the night in Dover. This lobster guy came up to us and said, do you want to buy some lobsters? And I love lobsters. And I said, absolutely. So we bought these great big, huge lobsters, left the next morning for France and uh, and docked, I forget. Dieppe. At Dieppe, <laughs> France, with our cousins, uh, Al and Becky. And we had the lobster dinner. And and then we went over to see the Normandy beaches where the D-Day landings took place. And, and you're on your boat looking where these landing craft landed on D-Day and in the world, in the World War II. Well, we actually though stayed in the Normandy area for a few days. Rented a car, went along the coast, and you know saw all the the World War II sites, and and then we came back to Honfleur, which is a beautiful tiny town in France. Another story, but anyway, we went along the the Normandy coast in our boat, and you cannot get really close to the Normandy coast because they still have all the wrecks from D Day. Wow. But you can you can get close enough to see all the white crosses on the American cemetery, and it really was a phenomenal trip. That's be very surreal. It was, yeah. yeah, overwhelming moment there. And then what was next? Because we have a lot of countries yeah. to cover. We're we're talking about world travelers here. Well, I'm not sure about world travelers, but we left uh, our cousins Al and Becky got off the boat, and we went along the uh, you know the northern coast of uh, France. And then headed south, and now the Atlantic Ocean is uh, off to our starboard side as we're heading south. You know, through France, we'd stop at a few places to uh, go into wine country and to take tours of some of the beautiful wineries that are in France. And, of course, buy a case of wine and bring it back on the boat. But one of the biggest mistakes we made is I put some of the good wine in our cabinet under our bed, and our bed's right over the engine room. So... (laughs) It didn't last as long as I wanted. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we visited the wine country, went through Portugal, uh, and then round into Gibraltar, uh, uh, where we stayed in Gibraltar about a week, I think. We pulled into Gibraltar on an empty tank because we knew the uh, diesel was cheapest in, De- in Gibraltar. <laughs> <laughs> Strategy. Well, yeah, you know, the uh, price of diesel was, what, 8 and $9 a gallon, so... It was very expensive, and this was in 2008 when the market crashed. So that timing wasn't great, but anyway. Well, our captain that we had the first year, we had a professional captain the first year we had the boat, and Sam was also a delivery skipper for Princess, and he would deliver brand-new princesses from the factory in Plymouth and take them to Germany or wherever they needed to be, and he's an excellent captain. 
But he knew one speed, and that was flat out. And <laughs> you and, got where you were going, and you got where you were going fast. And I kind of thought, well, that's normal, I guess. That's how you do these boats. And of course, when you're going 20, 25 knots, and you're burning you know, sixty four gallons, gallons per uh, engine per, per hour, yeah. that's because he wasn't paying the <laughs> fuel bill. Right. Well, he was not paying the fuel bill, and we pulled in a uh, Gibraltar, and we pulled in next to another boat that also had an American owner. And he was an engineer, and he pulled out this draft, and he said, well, let me show you what you do when you go 25 knots in terms of fuel burn. Did your eyes go really wide? I just was shocked. And I (laughs) I said to our captain, I said, Sam, come here a minute. Look at this chart. We're going 10 knots from now on. (laughs) And old Sam's eyes got big going, oh, my God. (laughs) So, uh, But we started going really slowly then because you don't have – it's not – the the journey it's the dest- it's not the destination it's the journey that and so we started going slowly through the Balearic Islands the islands off of Spain owned by Spain and up into France Nice Monaco Monaco and I, Monaco I'll never forget because we really wanted to stay in Monaco you hear so much about Prince Rainier and Princess Grace and and so you, we pulled into Monaco hoping to get a marina but it was just before. The Grand Prix. The Grand Prix race, mm-hmm. I think it was. And, yeah. and there was no place. And But I said, you know, if I beg enough. So I got on the on the VHF radio in Monaco, and I, I called all the marinas <laughs> that were listed in the book. And I said, please, we're here. Can you see we're us? We're in the right? harbor. We're in the harbor. And <laughs> please take us. Yeah. But we never could find a marina to stay, so we, we moved on to- uh, Italy. To Italy. But, yeah. but what a magical experience going in and seeing Monaco from the water. We'd been there from the land, but we'd never been in the water seeing Monaco. But- one of my vivid memories. Amazing. And then where did the trip in Europe or abroad end up? Oh, wow. You're jumping ahead. Yeah. I, actually, <laughs> let's keep going. We're in Monaco okay. now. Where well, did we go from, from Monaco? Monaco? We went to the Italian um, Riviera, and it was fascinating. That's where you go uh, along Cinque Terre, which is five little towns along the coast. Uh, and, and then gorgeous. And gorgeous. And then to the Mafi Coast. Oh, uh, and we by Capri. We, we went all around Capri because we had been there on land, and we wanted to stay there, but the wind wasn't too. Agreeable. It was kicking up, and we yeah, had to get into a marina. So we went from there to Amalfi, and we had this huge boat in this tiny harbor. In Amalfi. Don't they have real little boats that they go around do. in there? Yeah, they're yeah. probably like, oh my goodness, when they saw your seventy. Yeah. <laughs> so we were there for a while, and. Um, from there, where did we go? That <laughs> volcano that supposedly goes off. We got up at daybreak. Oh, went down to Sicily. To Sicily. And on the way to Sicily, there's this volcano that supposedly is erupting. And we got up at, before dark, or before daylight, I mean, while it was still dark so we could see it. And it wasn't erupting that day. But we ended up going no. to, to Sicily. Yeah. And we went to uh, uh, several places in Sicily. Uh, but then we went to the southern part of Sicily to a town called Syracuse. And it's heavily Roman-occupied, back beautiful ruins. It's also World War II history where some of the U.S. forces came through Syracuse and, and moved north as, as they were pushing back uh, the Axis forces. So it had ancient history. It had more modern history there. But we were running out of time before the weather was going to start getting cold in the end of our first season. And and we were going to put the boat up in Croatia. We'd already made arrangements through Princess to find a place in, in murder Croatia. And so we left Syracuse, and it was a 400-mile trip. I'll never forget it. The water, weather was gorgeous. The seas were flat. The moon was full. 
We've put the boat on autopilot in Syracuse and did not take it off until we arrived in Dubrovnik 40 hours later, two nights. The three of us uh, took turns, obviously, you know, keeping watch. But it was just, it was a magical trip. And then pulling in at daybreak in Dubrovnik uh, and then docking the boat, I was so proud, frankly, that, you know, we were able to go that far and and get along so well and, and such a beautiful trip. But that was the end of the first season. So then, yeah, we, we explored some of uh, Croatia, and then we found this place called Murder <laughs> and docked the boat for the winter. For the winter. Put it yeah. up on the hard, put yeah. shrimp racked it, and jumped flew on the airplane and flew back to London. Was that always a plan, or when you came to Croatia, you learned to love that place, and you knew that's where you wanted to keep the boat docked? That was always a plan. And okay. Princess helped us find the marina that was a high quality marina that they had trust in in taking care of the boat over the winter. The Princess folks all throughout the Med were absolutely phenomenal. When we would pull into ports unannounced, in would come a Princess rep saying, anything I can do for you, I see it's a new boat. Uh, if you need any help, let us know. They were absolutely fabulous all throughout the Mediterranean and as well as Greece and Turkey. They were really super people. Cher, walk us through what the 633 plan means oh. <laughs> to the Patterson family. Well, we had a plan that we would spend six months on the boat and three months in London because by that time we had to get out after, before 91 days. So it was three months. And then we would spend the other three months in the U.S. visiting our family and friends. So that was 633. And we did it for five years. I mean, two years we were in, in yeah. Europe. Uh, and we did the six months on the boat, three months in London, three months in the States. But then even when we moved the boat to the U.S., we were six months on the boat, three months in, in London, and three months visiting inland family and friends. So you just walked us through the most incredible European journey ever. And that was one year. And I just... <laughs> six months, mind, I should say. Mind blown. Out of all the places you said, I had only been to one, so I was so leaned in, and I just want to look through your book that I will mention and get to and the pictures, because I just want to visualize everything that you're talking about. But tell me the most unusual place that you docked out of all the places we just talked about. In the first year or in, in total? In total. Well, I think the most unusual, as you said, was in Newfoundland, yeah, where we, we spent several weeks in Newfoundland and had, had no power to hook up to, uh, and most of the time no water. And we had town docks, uh, so it was kind of unique. Well, the fog was absolutely horrendous. It was foggy every day the the time we were there. And a lot of these towns were abandoned uh, at the encouragement of the Canadian government, where there'd be small numbers, 80, 100 people that lived in these towns. And it was more expensive for the Canadian government to provide post offices, schools, uh, the utilities that they needed to live in a town. So they incentivized the people in the town to sell and move out, but these towns were still intact. And so we would pull into towns through fjords. Uh, the, the scenery was absolutely gorgeous. Pull up to a town dock, quality town dock, and the only thing there were houses, schools, churches. Building cemeteries. Bears and mooses. <laughs> <laughs> so just ghost town, they but were ghost beautiful town. landscape. Yeah. But beautiful waterfalls trickling down, quiet, uh, so I guess they were the most unusual, but... You had the whole place to yourself, though. No, yeah, we did. We had that. But, you know, the second year, we were still in Europe, and we did 
uh, Croatia. We went up to Venice and went into the Venice Harbor in our boat. My sister and her husband came back that time. And, uh, and going into Venice, just magical. And then we went over to Trieste and then down to uh, Slovenia, back through uh, Croatia. Montenegro. Montenegro. Uh, spent, I mean, Montenegro is just phenomenal. Just gorgeous scenery and the protected harbor is unbelievable. And then we did another overnight when we went from Montenegro to uh, Greece and uh, filled up with fuel uh, and then went overnight and, and ended up in Greece. And then going through Greece and Turkey was just beautiful, gorgeous. And we did a couple more overnights there. But, I mean, the Greek Isles are just incredible, um, especially the Sporades, which is the Scopolos, uh, Scaphos, and there's one more. But anyway, that's where they filmed Mamma Mia. And so we docked in the little harbor down below the church and walked up and took pictures looking down and all around. That's fun. Oh, it was wonderful. And we went to Onassis uh, Island that was not marked on the chart because uh, he didn't want anybody there. But, of course, he was dead. <laughs> but it's where Jackie, uh, Jackie Kennedy Onassis uh, used to go and where she was filmed by the paparazzi yeah. without a top on one time. <laughs> but we saw other boats going in, so we pulled we in and, yeah, and tied up to the, uh, the rocks, actually, and swam ashore. You couldn't go above the tree line, but you could go to the shore. Wow. But I think I also look back at them, beautiful places, but I remember my college roommate and his wife, some of our best friends from Shell, other friends from Houston, all flew over to Greece and Turkey, a couple friends from Houston, and spent time with us. And it was just magical having those friends uh, share that experience with us and us to have the time to even get to know them more deeply than what we had known, even though they were friends for decades. And we saw with them some of the, the antiquities that were there. Ephesus. You know, Ephesus was in Turkey, one of our favorites, Delphi, which used to be the center of the world. Um, so it's quite incredible. Went to the original Olympic space, as well as the one in Athens. <laughs> right. I, this has to be such a hard question with as many destinations as you saw. What would be your most favorite in, let's go start with abroad, because I know that you've also done a lot of travel by boat domestically, but... Uh, let me hear your most beautiful place abroad. Well, we've already mentioned Monaco was fabulous, Venice, fabulous. But I'll never forget driving into Santorini, where the, the water depth was, I don't know, 40 or 50 feet from the island we were previous to Santorini. And then you go into Santorini, which is nothing more than a volcano with the top blown off. And all of a sudden, the depth finder goes too deep. You can't anchor because your anchor won't There's reach. Uh, it is the water is so blue, the, the houses with white and blue colors on the hillsides. That was also a magical experience to me. Yeah, I never could narrow it down to one. Give us there, a couple. Oh, well, the Balearic Islands, which I mentioned, has the most beautiful co coast in the world, uh, but so is the Amalfi Coast and the Montenegro Coast. So, you know, there are just so many. What do you think the experience is like, in my opinion, being a boater, I think it would be more advanced to see these places by water. What is your opinion? I'm sure you've been to many beautiful places by land. How is it different? You know, you're pulling in on your beautiful 70 princess and you're seeing it from a totally different perspective. Can you speak to that? Yes. The beauty from the water is phenomenal. 
I remember when we rented a car in Sicily and we drove all over the island and it was just ugly up close. <laughs> but from the water, it was gorgeous. <laughs> it was gorgeous from the water. Oh, that's you funny. know, you see, you see the, the, how things have not been kept up and it's just a whole different perspective. But also going country to country. I mean, you know, we don't speak foreign languages. We speak enough French or enough Spanish to do numbers because you have to call on the radio to make a, a reservation for your marina. You have to be able to say how I'm 21 meters and whatever language country you're going into. Each of the electrical hookups are different. Yeah, so you have different connectors. Most of the water connectors are different. So you have to carry a bag with those. And you have to make sure you have a, a, a an AC unit or a unit that converts the electricity uh, to the country that you're in. But that's all part of the magic of learning how to safely operate and navigate a boat through all of Europe is the different cultures, the different languages, the different ways they do utilities. Uh, it, was, it was part of our adventure to learn how to make this transition from, in our case, corporate world into uh, adventures or into retirement. You're making it seem easy. I'm sure that there is multiple challenges at each, you know, mooring each dockage when you're going country country as you're speaking to and not knowing the language. Is that tough? Um, usually. <laughs> no, I can't say it was tough all the time. Um, people really are friendly on the water in general, so and most people want to help. So, you know, it did take a lot longer to get docked when we were in Europe because different docking plus the different connectors. And, you know, it would take an hour for us to get docked. Well, with med mooring <laughs> is a lot different than what we do in the United States where you pull into a slip or pull alongside. Uh, because med mooring, you have to stretch your boat out about a stern. And, and sometimes you go into very narrow backing in between two boats and you're literally against the fenders on both sides. Wow. So it can yeah. be very challenging. It's more like a flotilla. <laughs> it's, yeah. like, it's like yeah. a flotilla, but the people are so daggone friendly and they want to be helpful. And they were so uh, pleased to have a brand new princess in their marinas. And and because it was kind of, a, in some places, kind of a showboat. You were the star of the show. Particularly before we got into the med. We were the big dog when we were up Until in we northern France. Yeah. We got into the med. We were the little tender compared <laughs> right. to a lot of these mega boats that are right. down there. But, you know, still it was a brand new boat at the time and, and exciting to see. Now let's talk domestically in the United States' favorite places because I know – we talked about the 633 plan for your family, and that was two years um, abroad for those six months each, and then you came and brought the boat to the United States, correct? Mm -hmm. Correct. And I know you did a lot on the entire East Coast, so tell everyone where you went in the U.S. and where your favorite destination was there. Well, I'll say where we went, and then you talk about the favorite okay. destination. We In 2008 and nine was cruising in Europe in 2010, we joined our cousin, Alan Becky, who had mentioned previously who lived in Melbourne and have a boat called Going Deep. We joined them in Key West and went from Key West on their boat up to uh, New Gretna, where we had stored the Princess for uh, the winter. And then we got on our boat and did the Chesapeake Bay and then went up and did the up north. To Maine. Up to Maine. Yeah. 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 And then back to New Gretna and put it up on the hard there in New Gretna for that next winter. But the favorite place, I mean, for you, it's... Well, for me, it's uh, cruising through New York Harbor. I mean, I just think it's phenomenal to come in and see all the the bridges, Statue of Liberty, Manhattan just rising out of the water. It's phenomenal. 
And it's also where Cher lived for a time before Lee. Biased and, opinion. Yeah. <laughs> and went to school and got her master's at Columbia. And, and so she, New York meant something to her personally. Like my favorite place was going back to the Chesapeake Bay and taking our boat into the places where at brand new newlyweds, we took my father's and mother's 23-foot slick craft to take our 70-foot princess into Annapolis, Baltimore, Oxford, St. Michael's, Rock Hall, you know, I was just reliving my youth. It was wonderful. Can't beat that. We're talking about all the wonderful moments, and everything isn't always so great. There's got to be a hairy moment because weather is unpredictable. Obviously, we have radars. We have, you know, we could plan as much as we can, but some things come out of our control. Did you ever have a scary moment? Well, I did. <laughs> Lee tells me he wasn't scared. <laughs> but we were in uh, in the Greek Isles, in the Aegean Sea, which has this tremendous wind every summer. And we were going from one island to another. And, you know, in Greece, they have these ferries that go between the major islands to transport people and mail, et cetera. And so we take off. And I said, Lee, you know, this is, the wind is pretty strong. And he said, well, I think we should go. So we took off our crew, too, as a couple. They got the uh, life jackets out. <laughs> Handed them out. Handed Everybody them had out. life jackets yeah. on. That was the right thing to do. Yeah. And then in the distance, I saw this ferry turn around and go home. <laughs> Which is probably larger than your large boat, oh, right? Oh, I'm sure it was. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute yeah, here. This doesn't seem right. No, Lee? the ferry was actually smaller. It's oh, one of those it? small little ferries okay. Okay. that well, went through. Well, anyway, look bigger to me. And, anyway. And when that, you're putting on a life jacket, I think everything looks different to you when your mind is It probably reeling. does. But we yeah. were at that point in a cruise, like many captains, I'm sure, experience, you're equal distant between where you're going and where you'd have to return to. And I knew as soon as we were able to make a turn, we were going to get to the protected side of the island where the wind would not be too bad, except we had to do some tacking. And when you turn quickly, you had to make sure you turned at the right time so the wave didn't rock you too much. But uh, we got there safely and everything was fine. And, and there was another time when we were coming out of Halifax, Nova Scotia, and we got out to the uh, end of the harbor. There were 12-foot rolling waves and, you know, you can roll over them okay, but I said, you know, this is pretty high. We really might want to rethink this. And he said, oh, no, we'll go. <laughs> well, I got on the radio, and I, I, a couple of the captains said they're long, rolling, big big waves, but, but nothing going. bad. And we that was an overnight trip because yeah. we went from uh, Halifax to going home to Maine. And so I guess they were the two scariest time, but we, we were never unsafe. It was just uncomfortable no my captain my captain is very good about reading the weather all the time and making but, good plans but my admiral my admiral said when we sold <laughs> the 70 foot boat she said you know if you're serious about getting another boat it's going to have to be with a sea keeper and so we bought a new boat a 55 uh which we currently have we thoroughly enjoy and it does have the admiral sea keeper tucked in so and it's fabulous and we are so happy to have you stay in the princess family it's such a compliment to the product and you know a huge thank you to both of you for staying in hmi and the princess family so with as many miles as you know you traveled on your 70 that's that's pretty incredible you know to say that you really put that boat to the test brand new coming out of the factory that's you know that's as tough as it gets. Yeah, well, that was one of the downsides when we were selling it. We had so many hours on the engine. 
But that means you had that <laughs> many memories. <laughs> we did. We had a lot of memories, and HMY was super on getting the boat sold, and we couldn't be more pleased with our new boat, which we call Prize 2, T-O-O. It's also a prize. Not named after the book. It's just our prize, uh, our second the second, boat, time the second princess, the 55. And now you are home-based in Fort Lauderdale, which I believe began in 2013, right? Correct. Mm-hmm. So you made your way to a new home in Fort Lauderdale. How was that? Well, it took a lot of time to decide where to move. Uh, another thing we researched, we uh, came up with five places to uh, to think about, and we visited them and ended up in Fort Lauderdale where we knew no one. Yeah, we were uh, in Europe for a total of 16 years uh, because I got transferred by shell to uh, to Europe and was told I'd be there for two to three years for a broadening assignment, and I ended up staying and retiring from the headquarters of Shell. But uh, we didn't know where to move back to, and we narrowed it down to Houston, where we'd been from, New Orleans. We love Annapolis because it's Maryland, Sarasota because we thought the west coast of Florida would be fun, and then the, the east coast being Fort Lauderdale. And just Fort Lauderdale hit all the buttons. It has a wonderful yacht club in Lauderdale Yacht Club, a wonderful country club in Fort Lauderdale Country Club, Boating is fabulous. You can walk to the Performing Arts Center. You can walk on Las Olas to 30 or 40 wonderful restaurants within walking distance. And, and run- number one, it's warm. Yes. Well, and she, that's why we didn't go to Maryland, because Shira said it's too daggone cold, plus the taxes are terrible. But uh, yeah, so Fort Lauderdale has been a fabulous home, and it's now our home. And we just love living in Fort Lauderdale and have made a number of really nice friends here. Well, we know the Pattersons aren't afraid of an adventure, and whether you knew somebody or not, I am not surprised that you ended up in the number one boating capital of the world. (laughs) Very fitting, and we're happy to have you here. And so, as you mentioned, Lee, you are a member of the Lauderdale Yacht Club. I believe you joined, what year? 2014? I think it was 14 when we joined. Uh, Because we didn't know anybody, you have to have people that know you to sponsor you. So it took a little over a year before we made friends and and we're sponsored. But yeah, we've been since 2014 members at the Lauderdale Yacht Club. Well, you made quite the impression because in researching everything about the Pattersons, they actually just received the award. It is the Commodore Hal Jones Cruising Award from the Lauderdale Yacht Club. So congratulations to both of you, the 2021 recipients of that award. Well, thank you thank very you. much. There's a beautiful plaque sitting right in front of me that talks about all of their travels, where they've been, and I couldn't think of two people more, you know, perfect for that. So I hope you're as proud of that as I am, you know, of listening to your story. That's incredible. Well, we're proud of not the only of the award, but the people that have got us before us are a number of our good friends who uh, also love cruising. And part of the reason the Yacht Club is so much fun is we have people of like interest that love cruising and love boating. And, and so we've made good friends there as well. Are you the most popular people on the dock now? You went from knowing everybody to, or knowing no one to knowing everyone? <laughs> Not true. No. I don't think we're the most popular on the dock, but we have really enjoyed entertaining on the dock because our boat is is kept there. And particularly during the pandemic uh, where, you know, we were holed up and Cher and I would want a date night and we would go to the boat, uh, have dinner and cocktails on the flybridge of the boat. They had takeout at the yacht club and they would bring over the bag from the yacht club, and we we would sit up there and just have wonderful date night evenings. It got us, frankly, through the pandemic. There's 
know we, we talked about this a lot in our previous podcast that boating got us through the pandemic when we were really shut down. That was a safe place to be with your family and, you know, a tranquil place to just reset and, and, and figure things out as, you know, as we pushed through that. So I'm really glad that you took advantage of that. But Cher, tell us about the incredible book that you put together. I know that it started off as a website when you were traveling. And I think this is such an awesome thing because we always take pictures on our phones these days, but we don't like scrapbook anymore or print these photos mm -hmm. out. I feel like we're really getting away from that. And you could not have done a better job of putting all of your memories together with all of these photos. Tell everybody about what you did. Well, thank you for the compliment. Um, the first year we were out, we thought it would be nice to have a way to keep our family uh, apprised of where we were. And so I started a website, and I would post every time we were in a new port. And they could get on and see where we are. And I did a, uh, publish an itinerary that I always said was uh, subject to change. Um, but in any event, after the uh, after we sold the prize... Lee said, wouldn't it be nice to put all this in a book? So that's how that started. And uh, it really is. The, the Most of the book is the first four years, um, which is the two years in Europe and the first two years back in, in the uh, States. And um, the last is just a summary of every year. But, you know, after, uh, 10 years is a lot to cover in a book. And um, I just spent a year and a half. And a finally year got it. and a half. Yes, and we dedicated it to our uh, nieces and nephew. Oh. Uh, saying we want them to uh, work hard and have a dream. That's really Which, special. Do yeah. they have the love for the water as well? Most of them do. Most. Not all of them, but we... One of them gets sick. But that's okay yeah. because that's how Cher's <laughs> story started out. That's true. You don't have to have that, you know, crazy passion. You can be introduced by someone else and learn to just absolutely love it. Well, the name of the book is The Prize Fulfilling a Dream. And it's great for our memories, but we gave it and dedicated, as Shira said, to our nieces and nephews with the hope that they will think about and reflect upon the importance of hard work, uh, but having a dream. And hopefully we gave them each a copy of this book one Thanksgiving, if I remember. We dedicated it to them and uh, in front of all of our extended family, about 30 family members are there at the time. And we truly do hope that they will read the book and think about, well, what do I want to, my niece or my nephew saying, what do I want to do uh, to have a dream? What's my dream? What and we have had them all on the boat. Uh, and the probably the funniest is the first time we had our nephew and his wife. We call it the conception cruise because they put off having a, a baby so they could come on the prize in Europe. And we were hoping. <laughs> and we would hope it would they would conceive. The trip. <laughs> but it didn't. <laughs> I was going to ask you where. But they now have two lovely children. Okay. So. <laughs> That's funny. We have this book we're talking about right in front of us and, you know, Cher made this specifically for her friends and family just to enjoy in pictures. It's really actually really large and descriptive and I can't wait to go through it. I want to learn about all of these countries, islands, these coasts, and I want you all to know that the link is in the description right now to see all of these photos and excerpts about their destinations. Please go look through that. It's incredible and I'm looking forward to getting 
all the way through it. So thank you so much for just creating something like that, that we can all share with. Cause we always, you know, not many people get the opportunity to do what both of you have done and to share that with us is special. And then Lee, now where we're at is Fort Lauderdale. You know, you've, you've traveled all over. You said that, um, Cher obviously likes to do some really extensive projects, a year and a half to a book that's so dedicated. What do you like to do in your spare time when you're not boating? Well, I'm probably more outgoing and gregarious than Cher, who is so good at books and projects. And and I generally do enjoy uh, the Yacht Club, as we mentioned, our friends there. I enjoy playing golf, but my handicap sucks. I'm a terrible golfer. <laughs> But, I but got, you have a great time, right? But I have a great time also at the country club. We we enjoy traveling, although the pandemic has put a crimp on that. And as I mentioned before, the, the boat is a godsend. Even to jump in the boat, go down to Biscayne Bay, drop the anchor, have a barbecue uh, steak up on the flybridge and come back the next day. I mean, so I enjoy the travel bits and uh, and just family and friends. I mean, we Zoom a lot now, which we never did before the pandemic. But we uh, have weekly Zoom meetings with my sister and her husband and and we've tried to stay connected. And we're leaving Thursday for our first car trip, heading up north to visit, again, family and friends in North Carolina and, well, northern Florida, North Carolina, uh, Maryland, Lake Delaware. Lake Winnipesaukee, New Lake. Hampshire. Have you ever heard of that? No. <laughs> this beautiful, Keys girl has it's, not. It's, beautiful it's lake where we have lake. Fort Lauderdale friends that have a place up there and we'll spend time with them next week. And so travel, golf, golf, uh, yacht club restaurants and gaining weight, which is not something I intentionally <laughs> want to do, but I'm sure enjoying the restaurants. We're all there with you. <laughs> and what projects are you working on now? Well, my current one is uh, doing uh, genealogy research on my father's side of the family. He was one of 17 children. 17? So, yeah. Same mother. Same mother. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. My mom is one of 13, so I have a tremendous number of relatives. I was going to say, how many cousins do you have? <laughs> 36 on one side. Oh, my goodness. Christmas must be first very cousins. expensive for you. No, we don't go there. <laughs> you probably had to just nix presents all together. Yeah, yeah, you're lucky if you can get us all together, right? Right, right. <laughs> so that's what I'm doing now, and I'll, I'll, I'm writing a book in the process. That's incredible. Can you please give listeners advice, whether they want to travel on land or by boat? You know, we talk about living out your dream. What is your advice for people who want to live out this dream? Go for it. Well, go for it. And also something I've reflected back, looking back at what we've done is, is many of my friends who work in careers or professions, physicians, lawyers, corporate executives, they spend their whole career being great lawyers and doctors and corporate executives. And they don't know how to do something differently in, into their retirement years. And so what this has done for us, buying the prize, spending time on it, learning how to safely operate and navigate the boat throughout Europe and the U.S. and Canada and Newfoundland, uh, it's made me reflect on a transitional plan into retirement is really important and something you can do with your partner in that transition. We did this together. We learned how to operate the boat together. Uh, it, it provided a transition that was magical for us to move from, you know, busy, heavy workload careers in Exxon and Shell uh, to enjoying life at a different level because of what this boating experience has taught us. Well, 
you're an absolute inspiration to us. And I just want to thank you both for being a part of HMY family, being a part of the princess family. And we look forward to hearing about many more adventures because you are sporting a brand new, you know, you bought it in 2019, right? So it's barely used. Oh, I guess you two put a lot of a lot of hours on quick, but we've already been up the East Coast and to, to uh, the Bahamas, right? Twice. Right. <laughs> Others would consider that very new. Uh, Fifty-five princess, one of our best models. So, uh, look out for them at Lauderdale Yacht Club. And if you see them on the water, give them a good wave. And uh, please go look at at Cher's book. Thank you both so much for sharing your travels with us today. Thank you. It's been Thank our you, pleasure. Thank you, Lexi. <laughs>